morning, church. Just keep your eyes closed in this moment. I was having a quiet time with the Lord this morning before church, and I felt Him give a prophetic word for me, for you. So I wanted just to share that with you this morning. So just opening up your heart to Him. The thoughts that might come to your mind right now, the, the, the impressions in your spirit, this is of Him and not of me. So the word that came to me this morning was the word embrace. And as I sat there and thinking about that for about half an hour, what that could mean, um, thoughts came to me about embracing what God is wanting to do in and through your life and embracing what it is that He is actually doing around us. Often we can live our life observing the things that He is doing, yet not fully embracing them. The things in our world, the things He is wanting to do through us and in us. And we know of them. And often it takes a time like this where we might come into a time of worship. We're reminded of them time and time again. But the challenge to us this morning, my encouragement to you is to embrace the things God has for you. There's a scripture in Joshua chapter 23. This is towards the end of Joshua's life as he has taken and conquered the promised land. And uh, he's giving this final charge to the people. Make sure you don't associate with any of the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention their names or their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Then it says this, Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. Cling tightly to. And this was the as best as I could portray this word embrace that there would be this letting go of and clinging on to something else. So often we need to let go of something to be able to cling on to something else with two hands. We've still got another song to sing this morning, and I want to encourage you this morning, somehow in your spirit, somehow in your mind, let go of what you know you need to let go of. And let God know that you are fully embracing Him and what He has for your life with two hands. Amen. Let's sing together. The atmosphere is changing now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all. Spirit of the Lord is here. We thank you, Lord God, that you're in this place. We thank you that your spirit is here. We invite more of you in, Lord. We invite your the fruits of the spirit to just fall on us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we are in a, a country that is free to to declare your praises and to draw near to you, Lord. This morning we draw near to you, God, and we ask you to come 
and and fall fall fresh on us and and give us a new word and give us give us more of you lord we want to encounter more of you this morning in a personal way we thank you that you're a personal god thank you god amen amen well you can take a seat everyone thank you I was at work this morning, uh, t- this week, of course. Where, where else did you be during the week? I was at work, and um, I, was, I was chatting to my apprentice, and he, actually he came up to me and he said, Dan, if I just put my tools down and walk out at some point during the day, then um, I'm just letting you know I will have, I will have won the lottery. <laughs> he said, I'm just giving you the heads up. And I said, yeah. I said, um... So, so the chances are pretty good then, knowing that they're, um, they're pretty slim chances. And then he went on to try to convince me that, that he had a really good chance and that he was expecting to win the, the um, first division prize. So um, I did what anyone else would do and I, I googled what the odds were. And I was a bit shocked that um, I'll give them to you. Oz Lotto, you've got... In first, winning first division prize, you, you've got one in 45,379,620. So, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> so he had a good chance, but he was just letting me know. So, he, yeah, good on him. Was <laughs> uh, but he, he said to me, because I was, I was joking around a bit, I was laughing, and he said, Dan, you've got to be in it to win it. And I thought, yeah, that's good. That's it's good. That's true. I wasn't in it. I wasn't in the the lottery, and so I wasn't expecting to win. I wouldn't. I wasn't going to win. And um, yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. I thought that was cool. I'm going to use that. So that's the title of my message. Uh, now, Garen said this morning, uh, instead of just observing, you take hold of it, and. Um, and if I was just observing this lotto draw, expecting something to change in my financial life from this lotto, then it wouldn't. I can't just observe it. I can't just sit back. I've got to position myself, and I've got to get the ticket, and I've got to be present in the lotto draw. And so this morning, it's about being present. We can't just observe. We've got to be present. I like that word. Garen can't just observe. Uh, I want to talk about King David later on in his rule. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm going to be reading from 2 Samuel 15, 2 to 16. But I want to just give you, I want to set the scene before we read there. So King David had sons, and he had one son called Absalom. I don't know if you've heard of Absalom, but Absalom... Uh, he, was, he was a son. Something happened to Absalom's sister uh, caused by his half-brother. And, uh, and he didn't... It, it, was, it was a tough time. So Absalom held the grudge for two years and eventually killed Amon, which was Absalom's half-brother. And, uh, and because of that, 
he, he, after that, he fled from the kingdom, from King David, uh, for three years. And then after that three years, King David accepted him back into the kingdom, but said, if you come back, you are not to come into my presence for another two years. And so he was in the kingdom, but he wasn't allowed to see David. And eventually, after those two years, he came and he was able to, to see David and talk to David, King David, and so they were reunited. And so the story picks up in verse 2. Absalom, he got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When, when people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from. And they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad, you know, that the king doesn't have anyone here to hear it. I wish I was the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment and I would give them justice. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. After four years, Absalom did this for four years. Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill the vow, vow I made to him. For while I was a servant, uh, for while your servant was in Gershah in Aram, I promised to sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron and uh, if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king said to him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron, but while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the, all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king of Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counsellors who lived in Gilar. Soon many, of, many others joined him, joined Absalom in the conspiracy against, and the conspiracy gained momentum. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, all Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Then we must flee at once or it will be too late, David urged his men. Hurry. If we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisers replied. Do what you think is best. So the king and all his household set out at once. After this, uh, re read on the rest of this chapter and the next chapter that David gave up his his position in, on the throne, and uh, Absalom went after David to kill him. And uh, as Absalom was chasing down David, uh, Absalom got caught in a tree by his hair, and, and that's where he died, uh, David's son. 
and then uh, David returned to the kingdom. So it's a pretty intense story, and it escalates really quickly. It's, um, yeah, it's very, very intense. And so I want to look at what went wrong. What was the problem here? The first verse we read, he got up early in the morning, every morning, and went to the gate of the city. Back in Jerusalem, the city had two gates. One was an outer gate, and one was an inner gate. So the outer gate was a first line of defence. And uh, this is inside the gate, inside the two gates, was, was like a marketplace. There was buying and selling, and, uh, and trades, things like that. And the, uh, the inner gate was the second line of defence for the kingdom. And uh, I, I just, I, I want to stop there, because the, I, I want us to, um, to realise that that we also have two gates. I, I won't, um, just, just think with me for a while. Uh, if, if you try and relate this, this city of Jerusalem to your own life, then you think of your first gate is where things come in. And so our eyes and our ears is where, where things come in. And the trades and, and the, the decisions and the uh, transactions go on before our second gate, which is our second line of defence, which is the gate that, that guards our heart. Pastor Garen preached a message on guarding the heart a few weeks ago. And so this place between the gate was where prophets like Amos would prophesy uh, to maintain justice. Uh, this, this place, there, there are many places in the Bible that refers to this place in the gates. Um, Ruth was claimed by Boaz and he, and he did the deal in the presence of ten witnesses inside the gates. Abraham bought land for Sarah's, Sarah's burial and he did it in, in the eyes of witnesses in the gates. And this same place between the gates is where Absalom turned away the, the people of Israel before, uh, after he promoted his own agenda. Verse 1 to 4, oh, firstly, the, he was, he was, uh, where, was, where was King David? In verse, verse 1 to 4, 2 to 4, um, sorry. He got up in, early in the morning, went to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel are they from and what tribe are they from? Absalom would also say, you've got a really strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge and then everyone could bring their cases to me for, for judgment and then I would give justice. So where was King David and where were the, the people that he appointed to be in the gates doing this job of bringing justice and making the decisions? Because this place in the gates was where the kingdom and the nation, uh, it's where the nation's heart was developed. And it's the same with us. Between our gates is where our heart is developed, where decisions get made, where transactions happen, where we let things in. So 
Firstly, King David was distant. He was absent. And, and I know sometimes in my life I can be absent. I can, I can be distant. I can be in the room but not. I, can, I come home from work and I'm, I'm exhausted and, and, uh, and Belinda will say, oh, do you want this for dinner or this for dinner? I'll just say, yep, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> and I'm just not there. Or you can have too many things going on in your head and, um, and you can just be absent from what's actually going on. Distraction is another thing that I think King David probably experienced. Being a king, I think you would have a lot of things on your plate, a lot of things going on in your head, um, a lot of things to deal with, so he was probably distracted from things that were very important, like what he allowed into the kingdom and what he didn't. I imagine that King David had a lot of notifications on Facebook. <laughs> I, um, I, I get a bit upset sometimes because um, Belinda has so many notifications and so many people want to talk to her. And I say, why don't people want to talk to me? <laughs> yeah, why don't they talk to me? <laughs> but... But do you know what I do? I, I'm a su- subscriber. I subscribe to, to, to things and they send me emails. And so when Belinda sits down to get back to the people that are contacting her, I get my iPad out and I open my email account and I, I flick through it and, I, and the, the emails don't even fit in one screen. So look at all these emails I've got. I, I'll, have to, I'll have to get back to all these people that want to talk to me. And so there I am getting, yeah, they're just, I've, I've figured out they're just trying to sell me something. <laughs> King David would have had a lot going on which distracted him from this, these gates. I also think of uh, Peter when he walked on the water. Jesus called him out onto the water and, and there he was, just like Jesus walking on the water towards Jesus. And so he was moved by God's call, Jesus' call to him. But then he got distracted by the, the waves and, and the seas around him, his circumstances around him. And so his focus was broken. He was distracted and he started to sink. So he went from being moved by the call of Jesus to being moved by his surrounding circumstances, by the distractions. And it's so easy for us to be moved in, in one place and tossed in another by the things that surround us and not the, the call that God has on our life. We can feel intimidated and, and insecure just like Peter when our focus is broken. I want to move on further down to when Absalom, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes uh, with his plans to plot this, this rebellion to overtake King David. It was all a secret. He took 20, uh, 200 men with him, but they didn't know his intentions. He had this scheme going on, and, and he sent these messages out to to the tribes, and, and when it was time, they were all going to yell out 
that um, Absalom is is now the king of Israel. Of uh, yeah, and um, so it was all it was all a, a, an intimidation uh, act. He was out to intimidate David, obviously, um, but no one knew about it until the time was right. And you you hear David's response. A messenger soon arrived back in Jerusalem to tell David. All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Then we must flee at once, or it will be too late. So it says all of Israel has joined Absalom. They didn't. It was a couple of people that were that were like roaring like a lion, but they didn't have the they they had a voice of a lion, but they didn't have the appearance of a lion. It was it was all just intimidation. And David responded to the intimidation, not the facts. I, I think of the promised land when, when the 12 spies were sent in to, to scout around, to the 12 scouts, and they came back and 10 of them said, no, the giant's too big, we can't enter that land. But God had already said, go in, this is your land, I've prepared it for you, it's yours. But they were intimidated. And so the, the enemy didn't stop them from going into the promised land. The intimidation did. After Absalom was killed and news got back to David, he was back in the kingdom. David was, was very upset. He spent a, uh, a lot of time weeping and mourning over Absalom, his son. He, uh, he neglected the men who fought for David. David had men that were protecting him and that kept him alive. And the news of his son dying, he, he managed to shift his focus onto that and neglect all the men that, that fought for him. And he was isolated, alone, by himself. And uh, it took Joab to confront him and say, come on, King David, get up. Uh, you, you, you're mourning over Absalom. I, I understand that, but you're neglecting your men. They fought for you, and they returned with you. Go out there and encourage them. And so King David did something, did something really important that possibly he should have done a long time ago. He got up and then in verse 8 of um, 2 Samuel 19 verse 8 says, so the king got up and then he took his seat in the gateway. When the men, when the men were told the king is sitting, sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. So my message this morning is be present. Don't neglect. Don't, ne- don't, don't discard your calling. Don't be absent from your calling. Don't be distracted like King David would have been. Something so simple he could have avoided his son dying, he could have avoided the, the chain of, of events. He was intimidated as well. If you take your seat 
in the gate, if you position yourself in, in your mind and, and, are, and are there ready to decide what enters and what doesn't, then that's, that's taking your seat. If you're, if you're there, you can turn back the enemy. You can turn back decisions that don't agree with your calling. Yeah, it's, it's not always the enemy. Like I said with the promised land, they, the, the, it wasn't the enemy that stopped them, it was the intimidation. Sometimes there are good decisions, but they distract us from our calling. I've got, I've got a lot of things that I could do, and, and I, I spend my time sometimes saying, I spend my life sometimes saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. And, um, and I, I've, I've had a new thinking. B, B corrected me that say, I shouldn't say I don't have time because the truth is I could have time if I made the time, but other things would be, would, would be sacrificed from me making time for, for things that aren't important. So... I don't have time right now, or that's not my priority. My priority is being present, being here. So we we talk this year about what do we want this year to look like for us, Belinda and I, and we want to decide what happens this year. Last year we felt like the year just flew past us and went by, and this year we're going to decide what happens. We're going to be present and we're going to be intentional with our thoughts and our decisions and how this year will run. We'll be present and we'll, we'll not just be observing, but we'll be, we'll be intentional. There's this, this last point I'm going to finish on. The, the inner door of the kingdom only opens from the inside. So it's the same with our heart. It only opens from the inside. When, when people came into the kingdom and they were allowed to go in, it was someone that said, yeah, open the gates, they're allowed to come in. And that's what our mind does. Yep, heart, that's okay. Open up, they're allowed to come in. That's what I'm talking about, being intentional. Isaiah 28.6 says, He will be the spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate the source of justice to the one who sits in judgment. That was the seat that David wasn't in. He wasn't in the, in the seat of judgment, deciding what was yes and what was no. We can be. And he'll be our source of strength. And then we can turn back the battle. So I want to encourage you this year, be someone that's present. And be someone that's intentional with your thoughts so that you can turn back the decisions that aren't good for your calling. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Why don't you just stay seated for a moment? Close your eyes. Do whatever it is that you, you do to... Be present in the moment with God. Come help us, Holy Spirit.
Help us to see every situation that arises in our life for what it is, a distraction or whatever it is. Lord, we pray that this would be a year, Lord God, of focus, intentionality, purpose. Remind us of this word as we go today, Lord God, that we would cling on to you, that we would embrace what you have for us. Not not let circumstances dictate what happens in and through our life. Lord, I pray your blessing upon every single person here this morning with an open heart. Lord, lead us and guide us. Lord, you are our ever-present help in time of need. And Lord, I pray that you would impact all of our lives this week, that we would know that you are with us and you've gone before us. And we can achieve all that you've called us to achieve. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Emmanuel, our God with us. Amen. We have a great week. Uh, let me remind you that we have um, Friday night service on this week. If you, wanted, if you have some time in your week on a Thursday, if that's an available day for you to do something, you can get along to our Bible study that starts up this week, Thursday at 10 a.m. That's a, that's a... Starts up next week. You guys are going to be pumped by next week, next Thursday. Th- these are things that we can put in place in our week to actually show God that we are, you know, intentional. We are latching onto what He has for us, and we're putting things in place. This is what we preach about. This is what we speak about, and that's a practical way of outworking that. So that's that's on Thursdays at 10 a.m. starting Thursday week. Have a great week. We'll see you Friday night at our Friday night service, 6:30 at the Olive Tree. God bless you.